Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This call is being recorded. Talk show. In fact, this call is being recorded. This is your SteelerFury.com podcast for week six of the 2016 NFL season. I am your host, Bradshaw Ben, a.k.a. Will Massasak, a.k.a. Um, hey, you. I get a lot. Um, hey, buddy. Uh, my brother calls everybody buddy. Hey, bud. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm with my bud uh, for uh, one of the last times in the near future, apparently, because he's got no time for us. Uh, his name is Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? Four and one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like that's the scoreboard version of the introduction. And also with us from... Uh, Somewhere in the vicinity of Augusta uh, is <laughs> our man, FC, our man in the field. How are you, FC? I am 10 miles north of Augusta, and I bet you I just took a three-and-a-half-minute-long piss, so I am beautiful. <laughs> was it testing into a cup? No, it was um, <laughs> into the toilet. Luckily for you. <laughs> Luck- luckily for you. Yes, anyway. Sir. Next week we're going to start drug. We're going to start drug testing for podcasts next week. <laughs> well, which is well, funny. I'll be. I'll be joining Le'Veon Bell, Martavius Bryant, and the newly signed Carlos Williams on the suspended list. Oh my God! Um, yes, FC. In fact, is with us. Uh, Persh, I'm going to start with you because I only have you for limited time today. So you're going to have to talk really fast. Um, I don't know. Is the Steelers the team of the last two weeks, or are they the team from the week before that? Both. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, nobody goes undefeated. Everybody's going to lay an egg here and there. But, you know, I just have to commend them once again on making the, the games very stress-free. They're either going to get blown out or blow somebody out. And, and, you know, how many years have we sat through 16-game seasons where all 16 games seem like they came down to the last play? Yeah, finally, you know, somebody needs to clap their hands and praise these guys for, for having uh, games that you're not biting your nails down to, to the wire, you know, every week. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they are who, who we thought they are. They, uh, we got Brady coming in in two weeks, and uh, as well as the defense has played, they, I think they're fourth and third down defense and they're top ten in scoring defense. Better offensive coordinators, better quarterbacks are going to be able to get theirs against this defense because we lack a pass rush and shut down corners we just don't have. I think our offense is going to be able to score close to 30 every week, weather permitting. Uh, so, you know, that's, I think that's five weeks through the season. You're about a third way through that they are what we've seen so far. Yeah, um, FC, you know, they're they're taking bend and don't break to a new to new heights with this defense, but it seems to be working so far. Not pretty, but it's getting the job done. Um, I read the board Sunday evening, Monday morning, and I was thinking to myself, oh, boy, slow down. <laughs> slow down a little bit. Um, but I, they're 4-1, and one, so that's all that matters, right? Um, I 
I agree with Perch. I think that uh, our first test will be against the Patriots. Of course, the Dolphins are a test this week, but they're really not. I, I don't think anybody really thinks the Dolphins have much of a chance. Um, I think Thanksgiving, as far away as that is, that Sunday night game against the Colts is going to tell a big story about the Steelers because that's a team. That's a game they must win. It's just they have to win it. And uh, the Patriots game, I don't. I I, I want to win it. I expect to win it. I hope to win it. Um, but Tom Brady's pretty pretty good, and they've had success against us. So I have a concern. But Steelers are pretty decent. Not great, but they're pretty good. Well, you know, uh, Perch. It seems like there's each week there's a different kind of a test for this team. Uh, against Kansas City, you know, the test was can you bounce back off a horrible game, uh, you know, to to put a team away. Uh, against the Jets, that we've always had problems struggling with their front, uh, their defensive front. Can we figure out a way to still be effective on offense, even, uh, you know, with the defensive line that's strong? They seem to pass that test pretty well. This week, the test is, you know, can you not overlook an opponent that it's obviously inferior um, you know, while you're looking ahead to the week after that, where, you know, you're going to have uh, a different kind of test altogether. You know, have you seen si- any signs from this team that lead you to believe that uh, they could fail in that in that regard against Miami this week? Well, I mean, you never look, you know, you never have a letdown until you have a letdown. You know, I don't think Philadelphia was really an emotional letdown. I think they just got out-coached, out-schemed, and out-physicaled, and got beat. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are accustomed to seeing this team lay an egg against an inferior opponent once or twice a season. And I think, uh, you know, if us as fans are not comfortable, uh, hopefully the team is not comfortable. They've learned their lessons over the previous years and had those bad losses, but, uh, anything could happen week to week. I don't expect them to let down with, you know, they've got a big test against new England then a bye week and then Baltimore. You've got to win this game because the next two are going to be really tough. So I think that they'll be up and ready to go. Hey, uh, FC, I know you wanted to slow down the roll uh, a little bit, uh, but I have a question for you. Since the start of the Super Bowl era, name me a team that has uh, arguably either the first or second best player at each position, uh, skill players, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Packers. But, I mean, it matters what you think of Bart Starr. Not trying to be a jerk, but no, Bart Starr was pretty no. good. I, I buy Bart Starr. Yeah. Don Robinson. Dave Robinson from Penn State. Defense. Jim Taylor yeah, running back. The, you know, the, I'm thinking, and you know, the th- thought behind my question is, I was thinking back, you know, to have a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver who you could make convincing argument are the oh. best players in their position at the same time. Montana, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, you can make an argument. I I mean, Walter Payton fans are probably thinking, you're fat and stupid. Um, so, But no, I get your point. I mean, in I, Dallas, I, I made that, a similar Cowboys. Yeah, I don't know if Aikman was considered to be the best quarterback at that time, but he'd be pretty close. So, yeah, I mean, you had that, in that conversation. What about, yeah, that we talked about the Niners. Emmett and Irvin. Uh, yeah, um, even like the 90s Bills, I mean, the, Kelly wasn't the best quarterback in the league, but he was top five. Thurman Thomas was one of the top couple backs, and Reed was probably one of the top five receivers of, of his day. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's tough to to pick one. Uh, you know, the triplets was was kind of coined around the the '90s Cowboys, but I don't think I, I never thought much of Aikman to be honest. So, right, well, and I was going to say the other the other one that comes to mind is you know uh, the the Steelers at their peak offensive era with with Bradshaw as a league MVP, Franco Harris, and either Swan or Stallworth. Take your pick. You know, I just felt like the one thing that all those had, had in common was legacy. They all won uh, a bunch of championships, at least three. Uh-oh. With, with that tour. Like, the shit what about the, the, uh, gonna... yeah, the, the Warner the Rams that's what I was just going to yeah, say Warner, Warner Falk and Holt but yeah I didn't want any shit in the punch ball Bruce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that works they won one too they almost you know yeah. they, they won one probably could have won could've another one too right yeah. um, although they didn't they actually they won with, with Peyton Manning Falk and, uh, and Reggie Wayne or Marvin Harrison, I forget which. So yeah, I guess they had something going there. It just feels like this this bunch is only going to be validated if they can win a championship or two. You know, that was sort of where my head was. But it's a marvel. It's it's something we should totally appreciate because you don't know when it's going to happen again ever in in NFL history to have three great players on the field for you know, hopefully an entire season. That would be a, unbelievable someday if that ever happens. <laughs> it still hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting. Anyway, I got sort of sidetracked on that. Um, so, Perch, in the, in the uh, last week's game against the Jets, um, you know, why do you think Marcus Wheaton is not getting as many looks, even though last year he was in a similar, similar situation with Martavis Bryant on the other side? Um, is it just he's not 100% healthy yet, or, or Ben is just determined to try to feed the ball to other guys? Well, I, I think it's the skill set that Sammy Coates offers. When Antonio Brown's drawing as much attention as he is, and you've got a guy as big and as fast as Coates that's going to get solo covered, that's the guy you want out there, not a more precise route runner like Wheaton who's got to you know beat his guy and get the timing and everything right. If you could just throw Coates out there and take the top end off, Eventually, if you you know he makes enough big plays, teams are going to say, you know what, let's not double, you know, let's not throw so much coverage towards Brown and play these guys straight up, and then Brown goes off again. And then as far as the third receiver, I think they just prefer having you know the tight ends that uh, that have the ability to block and catch passes. They're using that group out there, and Le'Veon Bell is so good out of the backfield. The, the use of a third receiver hasn't been quite what it was in, in previous years. I don't have the numbers to back that up, but just look at the attempt and the distribution of the ball. So I think that's hmm. the two biggest reasons is, is what Coates actually offers you with his skill set. If you're going to get somebody solo covered, I'd rather see Sammy Coates solo covered instead of Wheaton. And then just uh, with Le'Veon Bell back and the versatility he provides, and the, you know they can go with two running backs or just uh, you know split him out wide as, as that slot receiver and, and keep those tight ends in so it helps the, the rushing game. And there's it just seems like the best uh, – the best use of their talents right now is to do it the way they are. Yeah. Hey, FC, when, when, you know, if Eli Rogers is healthy this week, um, how do you figure they, they parse out these uh, snaps for wide receivers in this offense? Um, Eli Rogers is going to see a lot less snaps because I agree. Um, Le'Veon Bell is going to continue to see time in the slot. Um, D'Angelo Williams' health. He looks like he's going to be good, but he was nicked with a knee. Um, that probably will also help dictate the amount of snaps that he plays. But um, Rodgers is pretty much a pure slot guy, um, and they seem to like Sammy Coates a lot on the outside. 
Um, good blocker, obviously. I agree with everything that uh, that Perch said. It's really not uh, an attack on Eli Rogers, but you know that turf toe is could be a big. You know, it's going to probably end up costing him big because he actually had a first, his first game. He was really good, regressed a little bit, and I mean you're going to want to keep Le'Veon Bell on the field as much as you can, and I think that D'Angelo Williams uh, has earned snaps a lot more over the last. 12 years in the NFL than Eli Rogers had. So I could see Eli Rogers snap count getting cut and by a lot over the first game, probably to where he might be a 20, 20 snaps a game guy. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, furthermore, I'll throw this out to you, Perch. Ladarius Green starts practicing next week and he's actually ready to play. They have some interesting decisions to make with skill players, don't they? Yeah, and I've been looking at that. Like, who do they get rid of? I mean, Nick's hasn't been used yet all season, but you think they're going to want to have you know his special teams ability and his ability as a lead blocker. I guess it would be David Johnson would be the tight end who gets let go. Or, I mean, Toussaint doesn't do anything, and he's not special, and if you cut him, who gives a shit, especially with Carlos Williams on the practice squad now. So if both running back, the top two guys, uh, Williams and Bell, are healthy, you could really just roll with two running backs week to week and, and have that extra tight end and, you know, for special teams duty. So um, that's what be my guess would be either cut Toussaint or, or David Johnson and one of those two goes. And when the, when Ladarius green comes back, that guy starts stretching the seam, which I mean, uh, Jesse James has done a really good job in the passing game and Grimble has too. They're not Ladarius green. I and mean, that's going to be a whole nother dimension that Todd Haley has for this offense. Yeah, I actually got a little shiver up my spine just thinking about the Darius Green in this offense. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really spoiled, FC. It's like at this point, I like I want every weapon known to man. You know, it won't matter. None of it will really matter if the offensive line doesn't stay healthy, though. I mean, I tip my hat to Munchak. I gave him hell, you know, against the Eagles, but uh, he really had the boys playing pretty well. You know, uh, four out of five games. I mean. Hubbard played, I don't want to say spectacular, but he was very good. I mean, he got help, but, you know, they also helped B.J. Finney at times the week before, and we raved about him. So I'm going to rave about Hubbard the same way this week. You know, the player put in the work, but, you know, uh, Munchak got prepared to have success. Yeah, I mean, Perch, were you surprised at the moves they made, the roster moves they made this week with, with putting guys on IR? that weren't named Wallace? Because, I mean, I, I actually thought Wallace would be the guy, after the showing that B.J. Finning gave, that Wallace would be the guy to maybe get IR'd. Um, but uh, losing Ryan Harris like that in a position, suddenly now they have two of their tack, backup tackles on season-ending IR. It just seems crazy to, to make and, that And, so t- you know, that's something I wish the media pushed into. It was a hematoma, which could be serious, which could not be serious. I, I don't know, but the media didn't really ask anything about it. But Tomlin, if you listen to his presser, specifically said, you know, made the, when pushed with the question, he said, well, it didn't necessarily have to do with the severity of their injuries. More it had to do with, you know, what our team needed for the week. You kind of look at that down the line. So Ryan Harris is basically, you know, an experienced guy who's won a Super Bowl playing left and right tackle. I wouldn't want to put him on IR unless I knew he was out for the year and just couldn't come back. You know, if he was going to be out for the hematoma three. is. That's what I want to know is where the hematoma is. It's somewhere in his shin or his, his leg. Right, if it's leg. like a subdorable hematoma, you're talking like, oh, boy, that's bad. 
you know, but if it's just like a bruise on his shin is a whole lot different than like an inner skull bleed. So yeah, yeah. and and, and Golson is uh, supposedly going to be healthy enough to start practicing in the next you know two three weeks. Well, I mean, um, could this mean, I mean could this mean that Bud Dupree is the one who really isn't healthy enough to come back? Well, that's, that's there's a whole lot of you know things we could probably spend the next hour figuring <laughs> trying to guess and, and figure all that out. Um, or they maybe is Filer lighting up in, in practice, and, and they think, you know what, this guy's as good as Ryan Harris. Or do they really think that highly of Chris Hubbard, where they said, you know what, instead of going without for a month uh, for Ryan Harris, let's just put his fat ass on IR and pull up these two young guys. And Munchak is, you know, the O line whisperer, and he thinks that he can get the quality play out of those two for backups. I don't know what it is, but I, I don't, you know, obviously I don't. Guarantee Golson would be able to come back here in probably the next month, you know, and we've kind of thought that all along. And Harris's injury doesn't sound like something that should cost him a whole season. So it sounds like they just made it for personnel decisions more than these guys are hurt too bad to come back. Yeah, I guess. Hey, FC, this will be the only Steelers-related show that asked this question. Um, I'm only the first person on any podcast ever to say his name, but wasn't uh, Brian Mihalik, wasn't he running ahead of Feeler in camp until he got hurt? I say this because you know, he's on the street now and Feeler's actually on the roster. That seems, you know, kind of funny to not me. not 100% certain. Um, I'm trying to remember the order from the preseason, and uh, they just waved in the backup players. I'm, I'm not certain. Uh, it's, I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm the Ryan Harris injury has me just, it had me just, I left me speechless, obviously, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> and you got a $100 million quarterback. And I mean, they, they seem very confident going with Chris Hubbard. Um, Marcus Gilbert, I think, will return probably. If I don't think he plays this week, I think he returns for New England or for Baltimore. Definitely by New England. Uh, so that opens up options. Brian, I, I wasn't overly impressed with them in training camp, but I also wasn't overly impressed with Valnueva last training camp, and you know he turned out solid. I don't know. I mean, long athletic kids that are willing to switch positions freely. You know, he seemed to have good character and coachability. I have no idea. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, Perch. Let's let's move over quickly. We FC I have some time to like BS about other topics, but um let's move on for a second to to this week's matchup uh against the Miami Dolphins. Um Dolphins at the, before the season started, I think you look on paper they look like a pretty decent team. Uh and they had a new coach to give them some new energy and so on and so forth. Man, pretty much everything has gone wrong for them. They're just plain bad right now. They don't have another quarterback alternative to their guy Tannehill is not really playing so well. Um, it, it just it, it just screams trap game, though. I'm wondering, you know, first of all, before we talk about the result, you know, how how do you see this game playing out in favor of the Steelers? Well, like, the Dolphins can't stop the run. The Steelers' offensive line kicks ass. We have the best one-two punch at running back in the league. I think that's the the way that the Steelers should be able to attack this team and, and bludgeon them a bit. Um, you know, and it, once they get the run game going and the pass game comes with it, then the Steelers should put up points. That's the other side of the ball. I mean, Tannehill, he lit us up a couple of years ago, and he's he's a mobile athletic quarterback. 
And outside of the seven interceptions he's thrown this year, he's played decent ball. I mean, he's just – they're not getting the wins, and he's throwing some untimely interceptions, but the Steelers don't pick a lot of balls up anyway. But you look at the talent they have on offense, I think – I don't know what Arian Foster's availability will be for this week, but he's a good back, and Jarvis Landry's turned into probably a top 10, 15 receiver in the league. Parker's a young guy who's coming along. Kenny Stills has burned the Steelers before as a deep threat kind of guy. Jordan Cameron's had success against the Steelers before. Deion Sims is a good, you know, second option at tight end. That team's got a lot of explosive guys on the offense. I think their offensive line's been a bit of a mess, but with Cam Hayward out, who the hell do we have to rush the pressure? <laughs> you know, to, to rush the passer anyway. So I can see it getting into getting into a shootout, and if the Steelers have a couple bad turnovers, sure they can lose. Um, you look at the the defense of the Vike or of uh, the Dolphins. And you look at their front, and it's just all these these huge names, but they're playing like shit. Cameron Wake isn't what he used to be, and Sue is, you know, basically the next guy who got a. You never give a giant contract two or contract three to a defensive tackle. They just seem to go, you know, right to shit as soon as you do. Mario Williams is still a big name, and, and you know presents some some matchup uh, issues, but those guys aren't playing too well. And once you get through them, their their second line of defense hasn't done too well, and. And they don't have any really good corners that you really worry about shutting down one of your guys or picking off a bunch of passes. So, you know, I, if the Steelers are smart and don't have turnovers, they're going to score a bunch of points. But it could could it be like the game we had in Pittsburgh a few years back where Tannehill and Ben he went up and down on the field on each other all day and in the ends in the 30s? That's, you know, it's potential to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just I can't I can't shake the feeling. FC, the other thing getting me is, you know, uh, Miami cutting three offensive linemen this week uh you know i just i hearken back to that game against san diego where the chargers uh signed like two or three guys off the street and beat the steelers um you know like am i is it wrong for me to be having these flashbacks am i just a worry ward (laughs) that was for you that's for you bud okay um yes (laughs) um the, the Dolphins are a mess. Adam Gase is in way over his head. Uh, you would think the NFL owners would have learned from Josh McDaniels. Um, John Fox isn't given enough credit for being a pretty damn good football coach. Um, Adam Gase basically, you know, was Peyton Manning's caddy, and he and John Fox made every tough decision. You know, um, I, I I'm not a fan of Gase. I'm not a fan of pretty much anything the Dolphins did. Um, Sue plays hard, don't get me wrong. It's just he's doubled every down because Jordan Phillips, the other defensive tackle, sucks. I'm not the least bit concerned um, about any Miami Dolphins offensive lineman. Uh, Tunsil moved from left guard to left tackle last week. He's solid. But, you know, he's a decent pass protector at left tackle. He isn't going to get big movement in the run game. I do agree with Perch that where this could turn into a shootout, you know, uh, the Dolphins have, you know, good players, you know, especially on paper. Um, I'm not certain if Jordan Cameron's going to play. Um, but even if he does, you know, um, what's the Steelers' record when Ryan Shazier doesn't start? It's unbelievable. Um, I actually have the exact number if someone would like to know what the Steelers' record is. when Ryan Sure, I'll bite. Is a team with I'll bite. What's that? Sure, I'll bite. If I told you that it was over 70% win percentage, would you buy in? What was if I told you it was over 80% win percentage? Would you buy in? What would if I told you if it was right around ninety percent percent that they win? Yeah, that is my numbers just, are uh, right, and I believe that they are the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and this will be Ryan Shazier's 14th game missed. The Steelers are 12 and 2 in those games that he missed. Wow, that is that is some crazy stuff. I mean, Perch, please feel free to it, look it up. I do. Uh, I'll post it in the little podcast section. The games that he missed and the games that we won. You want to take a stab at Perch? What what that means? Is it meaningless? Yeah, absolutely. It's meaningless. I mean, it's it, it's an inside linebacker. It's not like a quarterback or you know major position player. It's I'm sure it's more happenstance. And you can't tell me that if Shazier played those games and Vince Williams or whoever was on the bench that they lose or that the results of those games change. I mean, maybe it, 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 the thing that it probably does tell you is an inside linebacker isn't worth a whole ton of money, and the Steelers often will draft him in the first round, which most teams don't, and throw huge contracts at him, which most other teams don't, because they're not game-changing players. I don't think it's as much of a knock on Shazier as it is the position. Uh, so, I'm knocking Shazier. I know you I'm are, but, yeah, I, I just I don't think that, that that correlates to a knock on Shazier other than the fact that it, it, it's his position. You could take an inside linebacker out of a game, put his backup in, and how many points is that going to be worth in Vegas? 0.5 probably, tops. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's an inside linebacker. You know, even Luke Keekley, who's probably the best in the league, he wouldn't move a spread in a game, a point even, if, if he was out. C.J. Mosley, best in the league? Yes, I, I definitely agree that C.J. Mosley is now the best inside linebacker in the NFL. I said Keekley, but uh, Mosley's not far behind. I think he's, he's up there. <laughs> I, I, know, I know that you say Keekley. <laughs> I was just going because we chose our entrance with C.J. Mosley. All right. <laughs> um, what's the Ravens' record with C.J. Mosley again? Not very good. But, oh. You know, Proving my point. Let's see. I believe oh, yes. they are 11 and 8. 11, no. He started every game 16, 32. I'm not sure, but I bet you it's a winning record. Because they have a winning record over the last two years. Uh, not quite. <laughs> oh, you're right. They did have a losing record last year. That was the Bengals. That were decent. Uh-huh. DJ Mosley's probably going to be your defensive player of the year, though, this year, so far. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Uh, he Walker. has, I'm just going to say he, um, take a look at his season so far this year, though. Um, he's got... He doesn't have the tackle numbers that Vince Williams has, but I don't know if uh, I mean, right. the Ravens I know have as much. In the passing game, he's been unbelievable. I know he has at least two, I think three interceptions. He got three, yeah. At any rate. So, if Ryan Chazier doesn't fumble out of the back of the end zone. Ooh, yeah. That oh, was I a, knew it was coming. I <laughs> knew it was coming. <laughs> you did sort of talk yourself into that, if you know what I'm saying. He pulls his hamstring at the five and goes out of bounds. There you go. You get the ball at the five then. Fair point. And Joe Flacco can manage to turn it over. Ooh. Because Jim Harbaugh ain't going to hand it off to Terrence West whenever he's averaging nine yards per carry. Uh, by the way, uh, 18 and Somebody 19. Somebody had a very it? bad game betting the Baltimore Ravens this week, if you can't tell from the sound of their voice. Apparently. <laughs> anyway, uh, eight. 18 and 19, by the way, is the record of your Baltimore Ravens with C.J. Mosley starting. Um, so, Perch, give us your final thought here in terms of what, how you think this game is going to play out. Um, I think that the, the first half is uh, pretty close. Both teams move the ball and score pretty well, say something like 17-14. I think the Steelers get one break in the second half, uh, turnover, whatever it is, and then uh, the ground game just goes nuts. I think that uh, Bell 
put down for Le'Veon Bell 150 yards on the ground this week. I think he's just going to chew him up. The Steelers are going to grind out a win. Let's go, uh, I don't know, 27 to 20 Steelers. Uh, and then they're going to come in with uh, Super Bowl aspirations, and Tom Brady's going to wax their ass the next week. So uh, it'll be a high high note and then a low note. Belichick's going to severely outcoach Tomlin. Tom Brady's going to destroy our defense, and we're going to go to the we bye week. We never have any problems against the tight ends. What could possibly go wrong against New England? Yeah, anyway. tight ends and midget uh, slot receivers and backs out of the backfield and all the other stuff that Brady likes to throw to. It's uh, Unless Ben can magically go out and score 45, they're not beating New England. And uh, with uh, uh, Belichick having all of our plays and signals and everything already sniffed out, yeah, the, the, the offense probably will disappoint in that game too. <laughs> Great. I'm looking forward to it, Perch. Thanks for giving us a heads up on next week. We can't even enjoy this week. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be here probably for the next one, but uh, maybe I'll try to make it back before the Baltimore game. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, uh, final thought for you. That was it. it. Less glum than that. Come on. That's man. it. That's that's how I'm leaving. They're gonna they're gonna win by, in Miami by a touchdown, and New England's gonna put up whatever score they want the week after. It's I will, I told you I will never bet against the Patriots again. Period. Until Brady and Belichick are no longer in New England, I will not bet against them, especially playing the Steelers. I've learned my lesson. I've I've, I've been beaten down that road too many times. Someone needs to prove me wrong before before I change my opinion. You're the, like the dog that's been kicked one too many times. I hear you, man. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Perch. Feel free to like uh, you've done your uh, you fulfilled your obligation today of naysaying. So uh, you can feel free to drop whenever you need to. Uh, FC, I'm going to take a call. We have uh, Greek Steel on the line. I'm sure he's got something fabulous to share with us. Um, what is happening up there, Greek, in the Great White North? Go Blue, go Blue Jays. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard they're still playing. I heard they're still playing. What's going on, fellas? Uh-oh. Uh, sorry, you have – I think you're the you're, here, uh, here. Canadian healthcare system is causing you some problems with your phone service there. Uh, <laughs> it's a yeah, single-payer phone service that's the problem. Uh, I got to get some better IT up there. Anyway, um, you got to, you, if you want to try to squeeze through a, a Steelers question, I'll try to see if your connection works well enough. Otherwise, we might have to come back to you. Uh. <laughs> this is uh, probably some of the best podcast radio we've had uh, ever. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Greek. Um, I'll come back to you. We'll try you again. Uh, also with us, we got uh, uh, Chris in San Francisco, the the uh, cloudy city by the bay today. How are you going? To, how's it going today? Not bad. Not bad. I seem to be uh, happier about our uh, team's prospects than some of the uh, podcasters are. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I, I, I tuned in just in time to hear that we were going to squeak by the uh, Dolphins and get uh, killed by the uh, Patriots. Um, it was just this seems to be the uh, normal course of action we would take, um, but I'm hoping this is a uh, normal Steelers team or normal Steelers year. Yeah, well, also, you look at it this way, you know, that's called looking ahead to next week, which we're not doing this week on the show. I, well, 
Oh, right. Because if, if, if we look ahead, then the team's not going to stay focused. I think that's the problem. Right? Yeah. The classic, what a classic message board policing. Yeah, exactly. Is that true for uh, true for podcast? Well, I guess. Well, so we um, like so I'm gonna ask you guys a question, not knowing what you talked about for the first 25 minutes. But what's the um, is, is Cockrell really coming on the way he appears to be coming on, or is it sort of a, sort of a mirage? FC, I'll throw to you. Um, I think it's somewhat of an illusion. I think he's a decent cornerback. I heard the label shut down. Um, be thrown around uh, about him, and um, I think that's a little bit uh, strong. He's uh, he's good enough to win with. Um, he's very grabby. He's not super athletic, and uh, he actually has decent ball skills, which he really hasn't displayed yet this year. He's a good player. He's not great. He's good enough to win with whenever you have Ben and Bell and Brown, Sammy Coase when he's performing. He's not going to be that guy. He'll never remind anybody of Mel Blunt or Lester Hayes or Darrell Rivas. But right, enough to win. Right. I mean, I, I think we're all just looking for guys that can be considered league average, right? After the last sure. few years of our defensive back play. So, if we can say he's league average or better, then I'm I'm happy and agree we can uh, we can win. I think was, I think that the that uh, Rex Ryan made a poor move by cutting him from the Bills. Let's put it that way. I think he's good enough to make every team's roster and probably good enough to be a starter for right around half the teams in the NFL, maybe a, even a larger percentage than that. Yeah. I, cool. I mean, I think he's, his, his ability to cover uh, in terms of, you know, uh, mirroring a guy's moves and, and maybe even jumping a route or two is really good. Um, the problem, the place where he struggles is just physicality. You know, he can be, not only out physical for a ball, but even when he makes it like the wasn't one from last week, but the week before uh, against Kansas City, you know, he, he played a slant route. He read it from the, you know, before the snap, he jumped it, he landed at the spot where the ball got to the receiver at exactly the time the ball got there. He kind of hit the guy full force and still was not able to disrupt uh, the receiver from catching the ball. And to me, that's just a function of who he is. It's like he's smart. He reads the play. He's good at you know um, being in the right in the right spot and so on and so forth. And even has ball skills, but um, he's never going to be a guy that's that's going to break up a pass. That's a physical contest. It's going to be pretty unlikely. I mean, the closest was the one the touchdown that he gave up this week against Brandon Marshall, where he was in such good position that he was able to keep Marshall away. But even that didn't help him because the ball went through him. Uh, and Marshall made a great play. Um, at any rate, uh, FC, uh, just a follow-up question, and that is the more Burns uh, looks to be comfortable and the more impact you get from Gilbert as a slot guy, it seems to me that maybe Cockrell might, might not even last the season as a starter. I don't think they're going to advance Artie Burns that quickly, but I can see him see him more playing time. I think Cockrell's pretty much cemented in that position unless he starts having some horrific penalties or he gets injured. Um, I, but I do see progress from Marty Burns where, you know, you could just see the cushion being shrunk and the confidence going up. You know, is, is, I think the best thing for him would be to be able to make a play on the ball, you know, get that first interception, you know, get that behind him. Um, I, I like a lot of things about his game. But um, Ross Cockrell is very dependable. 
very intelligent, and he's always in the right spot, and he seems to make the right play. Very similar to a Willie Gay, who, you know, we were saying the Steeler fans were trying to unseat and remove from a job from the day he graduated Louisville till the day he left for Arizona, and we were thrilled when he came back. He's just very consistent, very reliable, which isn't very good but all the time, but he's good, not very good. Good enough. Good enough to win with. I really sure. I really believe that. Now, Artie Burns, I mean, on the other hand, I think he's more than good enough to win with. I could see, you know, maybe six, eight, ten games, you know, down the line where, you know, you see, ha-ha, okay. Now, you know, you can actually maybe take a number one guy away, or if you can't take a number one guy away, you can definitely take the number two guy away with Artie Burns and roll the coverage to number one. Yeah, and I just feel like, I mean, it's a very small – a very small sample size at this point, but it sure seems like, uh, you know, I, I liked Gilbert's contributions as the number four. I like what Burns is doing a lot as the number three. Uh, I'd almost have to say that I can't remember the last time we've had four cornerbacks who looked at at least competent, if not at times good. And it's really unusual to say that for a team that's given up so many yards um, to the air. I'm not sure it's really the fault of, of those four guys specifically, except for missed tackles. Um, seems like they've cleaned up sure. the tackle thing a little bit. That definitely helps. You also got to remember we've had, you know, safety, you know, we've, you know, from Golden to Dangerfield, and I'm not complaining about either one's play. And also our defense is not predicated to, you know, it's to stop big plays and kill teams in the red zone. You know, from 20 to 20, we'll give you yardage. We'll give you, you better be perfect. You better hit, make the right read. I'm not just saying they're giving away yardage, but they're not, you know, too concerned about taking away, you know, the sticks on, you know, third and 17. You know, they'll, they'll give you 15 yards, push you out fourth and two, get the punt. You know, um, it's, 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 the Steelers aren't trying to defend every yard. This isn't, you know, the, the old school Blitzburg defense because we have Ben and we have Bell and we have Brown, that's where a lot of the money on the team spent, and that's where, you know, the Steelers feel they can outscore any team in the NFL. If you're taking field goals, we can answer your field goals with touchdowns. You know, our one touchdown beats your two field goals. Yeah, true. Well, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it seems like, you know, the modicum of improvements to the pass rush and uh, continued improvement from – Burns and maybe some contributions from from uh, Gilbert. I, you know, like shocking to say, feels like it's shaping up like it, like it, a little bit like it did last year, where it got better as the season went on and was pretty good down the stretch. But I think you know, that next week has to come the from of of a, a, a varying group of people. You're not going to have you know this with the way the things are now. Even with a healthy Bud Dupree, you're not going to have a 15 sack guy. You know, from at the outside linebacker, but you might have you know four guys that have five. You know, we people pound on Chicolo. I'm one that pounds on Chicolo when he's semi fresh and semi healthy. His first step is below Von Miller and above just about anybody else. You could see that ten yard split. You can exceed the explosiveness, and you could see that he's starting to understand how to transition that speed to power to beating a block to sacking a quarterback. 
and it's not an easy process. And but you know he's learning as he plays, and I he's another player where I see like haha the light's starting to go on. If this light goes on full time with this guy, this guy's going to really be hell on wheels because he's fast. He plays with a low pad level, and no matter what anyone says, fat offensive linemen get tired. You know, and you know, 70, 60, 70 plays is a lot for a 350-pound man to play, you know, especially whenever, you know, people don't take into account, you know, dropping his ass and the lower the back pain and just, you know, having to deal with James Harrison, here comes Chicolo, here comes Moats, you know, and that's not even taken into account, you know, hey, I've just been facing Steven Stewart or Cam Hayward in the run game, and these are two big kids that have been beating the shit out of me. I yeah, think and it's a, gonna, the, the defense is going to be a, uh, an attrition type thing where they're going to hit you with quantity instead of quality. And that pisses well, off a lot of fans. That works in their favor this week. Uh, you know, game time temperature expected to be 83 degrees and humid down there in uh, in Miami. So a wave of players is definitely going to be a good thing if, if, if so. It got down to 55 degrees at night down here, and I've seen people out in like parkas and boots. So yeah, but uh, we're like where I'm at. It's still in the 80s, so I'm sure that Miami is going to be pretty brutally unpleasant. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Chris, you got anything else? Not necessarily to go to the beach. (laughs) Yeah, true. Uh, Anything else, Chris? Yeah, I just I think these next two weeks are going to be pretty exciting. I know I'm not not supposed to look ahead, but this Miami game is normally the kind of game we lose. Um, that we've lost traditionally, and uh, the Patriots we always lose to. I agree with you. Um, So, you know, I do think this is a different team. I mean, I think we've already beaten three teams by more than two touchdowns, and that's not – most seasons we don't do that. We have three more than two touchdown wins. Um, So I think we'll have a pretty good idea two weeks from now whether this is really a different team or, you know, kind of just a slightly different improved team from previous years. Good talking to you guys. My pleasure, man. Thanks thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Hey FC, let's let's uh, go for a minute to our uh, illustrious pick segment, so we can talk about the excitement right. in the NFL. Pick segment brought to you by Blandino, your boy Blandino, who is wow. He should be in politics. He's so full of shit. Dean Blandino, um, Chico's bail bonds, uh, Akib Talib's mom, Permani brothers, and uh, the late great. Always in our minds, always got to be remembered. Myron Cope. I just I listened wow. to Myron Cope today, and it just got my Steelers fandom back from a nine-five to a ten. Yeah, he was the man. Clearly, um, well, uh, Myron would be aghast at uh, the state of the NFL these days, but uh, you know, it kind of. Uh, it created a certain kind of parody now where half the teams in the league are basically have winning records. And, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point in the season to try to figure out what happens next. Uh, there's a lot of home dogs this week. Have you noticed that? I have. So I'll start with who do you think is the home underdog most likely to win this weekend? And that would be the choices would be San Diego, New Orleans, uh, Miami or Washington? I, I broke this down into two. 
Washington Redskins and the New York Giants play. That is correct. I just want to make sure I have the right game. New York oh, Giants no, no, that, and no, no, no. It's a uh, Philly at Washington. That's right. Philadelphia. Jesus. Gart. That's interconference, interdivision. That's just nastiness. And then with the Carolina New Orleans game, New Orleans hasn't won yet this year. Correct. Uh, they, they, they beat won, San Diego. They, they beat San Diego. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but no Cam Newton. Okay, no Jonathan Stewart. Is, is Cam and Newton ruled out already, for sure? He hasn't been, but he was scrambled really bad. And he went through walk. He went through a walkthrough today. I'm, I've, since I live close enough to Charlotte, I get the news. And uh, he supposedly really couldn't even, like he's having, he's still light sensitive. Now, I don't know if that's just, the local Charlotte rumor mongers, you know, because of, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers fans have him. But if that's true, if he's still light sensitive, he's nowhere ready to play. Close no, if he's, light, if he's still light sensitive, he's, he's a ways away, and that was a pretty good concussion because I've had that situation, and so that, was a th- and that was a three-weeker. And, like, any, even, like, the people that, like, the, most people that have compassion for people that have had, you know, concussions, actually have suffered the number of concussions. Now, am I more susceptible to them? I don't know. Um, did I kill off too many brain cells? I probably have zero to weigh. Do you, do you have I a really thin, do you have a thin frame? Do you, do you have a thin frame or, or small wrist circumference? I, I, I would have what's considered an enormous frame, but I also have what's considered an enormous mouth, and I've been hit with bats and bottles and tire irons and golf clubs. And the fucking thing that hurt the most, a cast iron frying pan. But, uh, oh, boy. Oh, I was like fucking Bugs Bunny. I mean, I ate the thing literally like and just, but that's a different story for a different time. If I had to pick a team to lose or uh, a home dog that I think could win, I will say the New Orleans Saints because they have the ability to hang points. And in today's NFL, the ability to hang points is just, you, you, you can't bet against those teams. You know, I like what the Saints put on the field, you know, uh, with Snead and Cooks, Michael Thomas has come on for him. Drew Brees has a pretty decent relationship with, that's developing with Colby Fleener, a tight end, who I thought was a nice signing. And um, Caroline, I liked Derek Anderson, but if anybody caught Monday Night Football, that offense is completely Cam Newton-centric. It is, it, everything is built around Cam. And I don't think you can get ball, the ball to, Kel, to, 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 to Benjamin enough. <laughs> to be honest with you, with Derek Anderson. Yeah. And that's the only chance that, the, that I think Carolina will have with the Saints without Cam Newton is to attempt to outscore him because their defense is not what it once was. Well, De- De- Derek Anderson's funny, man. He's uh, that, you know, he, he showed you everything about him that's so tantalizing uh, right. and also, you know, so uh, uh, horrifying all in one game last weekend where, you know, he, he, come, he just makes these big – Ballsy throws, you know, in the middle of the right. defense, you know, right in tight windows, beautiful, you know, arm strength and everything. And then he just makes an absolutely unforgivable sin, uh, you know, where you, you're, you're in position for the tying points and he, he lays it, you know, inexplicably right into a defender. Um, and it wasn't even one of those plays where his receiver just fooled him. It was just kind of, you know, one of those choices where he tried to, he tried to rip it past a guy that he had no chance to get it past. And that's Derek Anderson in a nutshell. It's like, on, in one hand, he can make every throw, but, boy, that was tough to watch. 
It was. And uh, the funny thing is I was watching the game with my brother and in unison after the second interception, we turned, I turned and looked at him and at the same time we said, O'Donnell throw. And that's who he, Derek Anderson reminds me a lot of. And those are dirty words for a lot of Steeler fans is Neil O'Donnell. Neil O'Donnell would make some of the most spectacular plays that you would ever see. And then he would make plays that you would be like, what? He did what? No. No. Don't throw the – God damn you. And then TVs go through windows. So. Yeah. And then, of course, I then was I reminded myself of, uh, you know, the, the Super Bowl winning throw that Ben made where they were only down by three. And, and he threw a ball that, okay, if you're on the positive outlook, he put it in a place where only his guy could get it, quote, unquote. But, you know, the margin of error for that throw based on a situation was ludicrous. Like, you know, that's a, that's a throw where that's a Derek Anderson throw, but it's just Ben has a little more talent. But imagine the horror. Imagine what it would have done to Ben's career and for all of us and his, our view of him if that ball had been picked, which it, which it easily could have been. Yes, it could have been. But it wasn't. <laughs> and that's how Hall of Fame's, you know, careers are made. What happens if Steve Young trips one of the seven times against the Minnesota Vikings and he doesn't share that clutch gene? Because Bill Walsh really wasn't a big believer in Steve Young before nope. that play against the Minnesota Vikings. And that, you know, that's the difference between maybe having a career like Steve Young and maybe having a career. I don't want to say like Johnny Manziel because Steve Young never had that type of bullshit going on, but maybe Cordell Stewart. Do, do teams, would, would San Francisco have stuck with him? Would they have made the decision to turn away from the four-time, undefeated, probably the biggest you know, face of any franchise, NFL franchise at the time, Joe Montana, to go to Steve Young if Steve Young doesn't have one of the greatest playoff games of all time against the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, well, it could, it could have happened, right? I mean, even the fact that Steve it, Young got right. out of it, this goes back to the Eli Rogers thing that you know that, and I'm not saying that Eli Rogers is going to be an all-time great wide receiver, but Eli Rogers was the motherfucking man <laughs> the week before week one, and then you get injured, and Le'Veon Bell looks really nice out of that slot, and D'Angelo Williams and the two backs, you can get a split backs, and we can do so much more with that. That shine came off Eli Rogers awful fast. Now don't get me wrong. Eli Rogers comes out, hangs two touchdowns, you know, shows something returning punts. He's back to being the flavor of the week. But I think that it's more in the fan base. I think it goes a lot with the coaching and organizations where as fast as you can get yourself in favor, you can win yourself out of favor just as fast. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take much. Jimmy Coates supposedly. I, how many? I, now I've read everywhere from he got two stitches in his hand. Try read up to fourteen. If he got fourteen stitches in his hand at halftime, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to excuse the drops, but you know, you really can't numb a hand too much to be able to catch a ball because it's dead. How much pain was he playing in? You know? Yeah, well, it looked like the, it, the reason he got hurt in the first place was because the throw went. You know, it went, it pushed his fingers back. Ben rifled it to him from about, you know, physically 10 yards away. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's just if you don't, if you don't get your hands open and, and, and catch it just between the hands, it's easy for something like that to happen. I mean, it, you right. know, you, you, you can bang your fingers pretty good, but it looked like, you know, that, that first drop, I, you know, not that I give him a pass on it because it was, 
he's the one that didn't get his hands up in the right position. But, but boy, um, that's an advertisement for get your hands in position to catch the ball ahead of time rather than try to fling him up when the ball comes. <laughs> because, it, uh, you know, it, yeah, as you said, that could be pretty serious. I'm thinking that it's possible that they, they stitched it with extra stitches for the amount of space it was because of where it is. It's really easy to re-injure that. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm just complete 100% speculation. But, but you're right. It's like that could definitely weigh on your mind. I, I also felt like, you know, they call, they call people on our board, you know, like in the, in the heat of the moment, refer to it as five drops. I think it was more like two or three, uh, you know, drops. maybe. It could have been upwards of six. But right, but I, I mean, would say there were three legitimate drops. You're right. And I'm, you know what you're getting with Sammy Coates. It's why he fell to the third round. You yeah. know, it's but what I think a lot of people fail to take into account for is the Steelers blocking from certain players has been so far above the line. Like, um, I'm as big of an Antonio Brown fan as you're ever going to see. You know it. I know it. We both are. He attempted to come back and fold on a 250-pound inside linebacker last week. There ain't many wide receivers that are even thinking about getting in the way, and he's looking to not only crack back, but crack back legally to where he can get fucked up. Now I'm saying, A.B., no, don't do that, but how can you? This guy wants to it's go like out and some, compete for his teammate. And this is no, it's like probably one ben of the defensive end. It looks like being seeing right. Ben block a defensive end. You didn't see you didn't see him bailing like Matt Ryan did two weeks before and just oh and drop into his butt. Ben isn't in an attempt to block. Sammy Coates is the everybody in his heart is Darius Hayward Bay. And he's a bigger man, so he's a better blocker than Hayward Bay. It's just like Sammy Coates, the reason that he keeps on getting on the field is even with the drops, he makes players around him better. As funny as that is, because his effort, you know, that's the difference between Le'Veon Bell running the ball for nine yards and 70 yards. And the same thing can be said about AB with one of those bubble screens. One block is the difference between 12 yards and 60 yards. And a lot of times Sammy Coates is putting forth that effort to make that block. And, you know, I, I, I take the counts into it drops, and, and I'll motherfuck him as much as anybody. But, you know, it's, you can take 10 or 12 plays, you know, from a game, and for the people that are bitching about, let's say he had five drops, but I can show you, you know, 12 to 15 blocks that are difference makers in this game. Nobody wants to hear it. He's, he's paid to catch the ball, and that's bullshit. He's paid to help the Steelers win football games. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, you know, Antonio Brown still has elite numbers. He's first in the league in catches. He's first right. in the league in uh, touchdown passes. He's first in the league in third down receptions, for, you know, resulting in a first down. Uh, you know, I have maybe the slightest sense, just as just literally watching his body language, the slightest sense that he's, he's a little bit um, subdued because he's not uh, producing at, like, an absurd level. But on the other hand... Right. Uh, it feels like the the team the benefit the benefit is to the team right now that he hasn't been so much the focus of the offense. Oh, I agree. And and there's conspiracy theorists that say that well the Steelers are trying to keep his numbers down so they don't got to pay him more money. Steelers aren't stupid. Antonio Brown's not stupid. He knows that's not really, you know. Up, up, up. Pittsburgh, it, it, the Steelers are kind of like 
in, in, in a way, a unique situation where they're like the only pro team that I think that, in the reality, is wins and losses are, are measured by championships. You made the playoffs, big fucking deal. That's an expectation, you know? A big deal right. is winning a championship. And that's not true for most teams in the NFL. Even if you across sports, you know, the Celtics, the Yankees, the Lakers, the Canadians, you take these fabled franchises, the Steelers are pretty much the only team where, and, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, we measure our success by 10 <laughs> in the showroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yep. Our expectations are never realistic. There's going to be one, one fucking team every year. But if the Steelers don't win that championship this year, I'm going to be majorly disappointed. And, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm not a hypocrite. You know, and it's it's the Steelers are going to – Todd Haley is a horrible play caller. I'm going to say that. But he designs a nice offense. But his play calling, man, I was told and – I, and I told this story here on the podcast many years ago by a – Good play caller. He's like, you show me a shitty play caller, and I'll show you a man that has no kids. And I'll say, what do you mean by that? Because that man don't know how to fuck. And I was just like, what? He's like, it's all a rhythm. And I was just like, oh, that is so foul. That's my Donald Trump moment for the for the podcast, by the way. Um, but it's like, you I was like, oh, my God, that's foul. But it's, I was like, come on, man. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, no rhythm. He's like, you sh-, he's like, and then he like, he showed me an example, play calling. He even said, you know, go watch uh, that guy from, you know, Boise State. And I was like, what? And then I went and I watched it was Dan Hawkins at the time. And Dan Hawkins wasn't the guy that was the head coach at the time. The head coach at the boy or the offense coordinator at Boise State was a little known guy that coached a pit under Walt Harris by the name of Chris Peterson. And you watch Boise State back then, I mean, way back then, their oh, yeah. offense was just, it was just like, ha, 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 wow, this guy's a madman, and this phenomenal. I think Todd Haley believes in Todd Haley a little bit too much, and Todd Haley got to realize a lot of his success comes from number seven, Antonio Brown, Bell, and he has good coaches around him. Mike Munchak's solid. You know, I think we have the best wide receivers coach in the NFL. Just look at the personalities and everything that he's had to deal with and how much success that we've had. You And you, you just even look at the players – that have moved on from the Steelers. Uh, Richard Mann, I'm so ashamed I couldn't come up with his name at first. But And I give give hell to the Steelers' tight ends coach, but, you know, you look at David Johnson and you look at what we're getting out of Jesse James and out of Grimble. Proof's in the pudding, you know? It's – the Steelers are – they can never meet expectations unless they win that championship. I'll just get back to that, and it's not fair. And – Running a, or helping run a message board for as long as I did, trust me, I, I got to see the venom, venom and vitriol, and you've, you've lived through this longer than I have. You can remember the Steelers being not being a championship franchise and organization, and that's something that 90% of Steelers fans can't relate to. Yep. No, it's true. You know, like it's a losing season is an unmitigated disaster. Winning the Super, losing the Super Bowl is almost a bigger disaster (laughs) it's it's bigger it was a bigger disaster to lose to green bay in the super bowl than it was to go six and ten absolutely because if you go six and ten there's always hope ha we'll get a couple of draft picks and we'll win the super bowl next year (laughs) yeah exactly whereas you got nowhere to go but down if you uh, right yeah very much so well um I guess that's it for our, uh, our, our, our 
pick segment. It was such an illustrious pick segment this year. We this actually week. didn't really. How about this? <laughs> we should get fantasy football picks. <laughs> because like okay, everyone's wait, wait, moved wait. on from gambling wait, to fantasy ahead. football. I got a question for you. I, I thought uh, Atlanta, uh, they shocked me how well they played against Denver. And, uh, they and what they were, I, I, and not not only that they played well, but that they they schemed Denver into some problems uh, that might have revealed some issues for Denver covering uh, the running back, especially with linebackers. They had they they had a very hard time with that. Do you think they're for real? And do you think they have a chance to go in Seattle and win their a touchdown underdog? If you would ask me this question two weeks ago, I would have told you no. If you would ask me this question last week, I would have told you nah. If you ask me this week. Oof. I think they're for real. They got a good coach. I'm not a big believer in Matt Ryan. I'm I really don't. But I am a believer in their two backs and Tevin Coleman and Freeman. Julio Jones is a freakish nightmare in this in the completely opposite way than Antonio Brown is. But they're both, you know, it, it, a lot of people will will still say you know Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in the NFL, and I won't argue with them. I'll laugh because I'm an AB fan. But Julio Jones is special, and they have such complementary parts. And their defense is starting to come on. Um, you know, the, the kid out of uh, Clemson that they drafted, his name, speed rusher, name escapes me. Um, Big beat. There you go. Um, I believe he has four or five sacks the last two games. And uh, oh, he, had, he had three Schott- and a half last week. So Yeah. Schottenheimer, um, I think he can recognize what a strength of a defense is. Um, Brian Schottenheimer, who's a coordinator in Atlanta. And he knows how to attack. Um, the Falcons physically beat up Von Miller with Schroeder, Schrader, their right tackle, and uh, with their tight end, Jacob Tammy. Um, they decided that, you know what? We don't want more than four yards in the run game. We're going to beat up Von Miller. And uh, they got more than four, games, four yards in the run game, and they beat up Von Miller, and then they exposed Denver's inside linebackers with Coleman. Um, in coverage, and I think that's what the Steelers' ultimate big thing that they're going to do with with Le'Veon Bell because I I feel he's a better pass receiver, pass in, in every level of the game than Tevin Coleman. But I think that's the future in the NFL. It's going to be you know, hey, you want to bring on those extra defense backs? That's great. We're just going to move your, you're going to split out a running back. You cover him with an inside linebacker, and we're going to expose him in space. Um, but yes, I think Atlanta's real. Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I don't know. I sort of feel like I, How well, about the okay, NFC I South? Can it Julio Jones winning that fucking division? The NFC South, hey, can any team win that division back to back years? It seems like it never happens. Yeah, it really is amazing. Uh, so if, if Julio Jones and Antonio Brown are on, uh, Antonio Brown are on the same team, who gets the double coverage? You're gonna laugh at this, probably Julio Jones. And you know, no, I'm not gonna laugh. I'm gonna tell you that I, I think he definitely gets the double coverage. I would say he's that, six foot five and he can score on any single play. Right. And so that's Brown a. Run every, you know. But Is there I was a say, but I think freaky that, mismatch in the NFL than Julio Jones? You know, there ain't too many yeah, six no. foot four, two hundred twenty pound, four three running, thirty five inch long, you know, arms with hands the size of tennis rackets out there in the history of the game yeah but i I was the the thing with antonio brown is 
you, double coverage doesn't really seem to dissuade him in a certain way because he he's he's got wiggle. He gets loose. He finds a little empty spot there. You know, so it's sort of like take your chances with uh, you know putting a guy hard on Antonio Brown, knowing that he's going to get you a little bit, but that if you leave Julio Jones one on one against a guy, no matter who it is, you got problems. Um, I'm going to say something like chalky. How about this? I think Antonio Brown's a tougher receiver than Julio Jones. How about that? Yeah. When I, when I mean tougher is um, Julio Jones will take a shot, and then he wants to take a few plays off. Antonio Brown will take a shot, and if you don't knock him out, <laughs> he's going to let you know that you hit like a woman. Sorry. And then he's going to come out and try to burn your ass again. I think that, uh, that Antonio Brown's a little harder of an individual, harder type guy. And I think that may be may come from being a five foot nine, five foot ten, hundred and sixty pound wide receiver, you know, versus being a Goliath like Julio Jones, where he's not used to getting drilled. He's not used to being people being able to run with him. You know, his talents are just so enormous that, you know, whenever he's met with somewhat equal of a talent that he isn't used to rising up to the challenge where that's something that Antonio Brown's been doing six years old playing pop Warner football. <laughs> yeah. I buy that, man. Uh, I, uh, you know, one thing about Antonio Brown and, and for that matter, uh, Artie Burns, it's homecoming, you know, for those guys too. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, it's I'm a, a big believer in the Steelers this week. I'm a bigger believer than purchase. I'll put it that way. Yeah, tell, tell me about it. You, uh, let me know what your, how do you think this game is going to turn out? I think that this is going to be the Steelers big coming out party on offense. Um, and the reason that I feel that it's going to be a big coming out party is Antonio Brown, his home. Um, Le'Veon Bell actually has a home in Florida. Um, you're going to have nice weather. Um, you, I, I don't think the Dolphins are a very well-coached team. Um, I think that what the Steelers do really, really well on offense, the Dolphins really struggle with. And what the Steelers do well on offense is uh, they are balanced and their approach is balanced. But if you give them an inch, Ben's willing to take that mile. And the Dolphins have to give you inches. Um, Jordan Phillips is really not worked out for him. He's the other defensive tackle that plays besides Sue. Sue is hell on wheels on the run game. He really is. He's a good player. It's just you don't pay $150 million for a nose tackle, even if he has had past production. The players around Sue previously were solid, and I'm not saying that Sue's not Reggie White. Sue is not Jerome Brown. He's a good player, not a great player. Uh, Jordan Phillips is just, I mean, he's athletic. He looks the part. He's just not a great football player. He's a better athlete, a better-looking specimen than he actually is a football player. Um, and the Dolphins, I just, I, I, I didn't understand the, the, the direction of the team offensively or defensively. I think the Steelers are a far more physical team than the Dolphins are on both sides of the ball. And lastly, and I'm, I'm Cam Hayward missing most games would have me very concerned. But this week, I think that, you know, two it gets off. I think that, you know, that Hargraves has definitely begun to flash. And I think that we're going to have enough to, to, to get by. My biggest concern is Kenny Hill, you know, scrambling. He's a fine athlete. Uh, Landry is a good wide receiver. I don't – I mean, they're they're running back by committee. 
Um, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. And I don't think Steve, I don't think that Tannehill is patient nor intelligent enough to make plays to march the Dolphins down the field consistently to keep up. I think the Steelers win this game 38-30. 38-30. Oh, my goodness. You also. 38-13. You scared me for a second. I was like, oh, my God. Heart attack city. Um, 38-13. 38-13. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, one thing. I've been doing good on the pick by the way. I don't know if you've met us that or not. What's that? last couple weeks. I've done pretty good with picking the scores the last couple weeks. You know, do you know that I got it? You're, telling, you're saying that to the guy who got it exactly right last week, right? I'm just going to tell you, you had a dead hit last week, but you didn't <laughs> let me get that out. I was within yeah. three points of it. No, no, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Um, I'm surely not good just, at the score portion. I never – I think that's the first time I've gotten the score right, if, if not ever, in several, in several years. It's been a while. Um, I think I got it right once when I, when I picked them to lose. Um, but I, I can't remember exactly. I can tell you anyway, what game it was. Um, Thursday night versus the Browns with Brady Quinn at quarterback, and we didn't have Ben. <laughs> so we're going back. Brady Quinn was a starter for, the, for Cleveland, so it's been a few years. Yeah. It's just too bad he, Brady Quinn couldn't have played his career with his shirt off because the teams would have been so mesmerized that they might have scored more. Exactly. Um, I, just, I, I think the Steelers' biggest problem that they've had on defense this year is the throw and catch and not being able to tackle, not you know, letting guys get underneath throws, turn into first downs, turn into uh, bigger gains. That's not only wide outs, but wide receivers and running backs and so on and so forth. I look at the Miami roster as constructed, and I really like Jarvis Landry. I actually you know, famously liked him more than Odell Beckham coming out of college. Um, and the way that Odell Beckham has, has uh, trended the last uh, few months you know, maybe that still will come out to be a good a good selection to take Landry over because Landry's been pretty solid. Um, but even with Stills, Stills maybe is the most dynamic guy they have like that. That's not really his game, though, the sort of catch-and-run game. Um, and it feels like Tannehill is a quarterback that would really like to dump it off and have guys, you know, catch it and run, but it doesn't not really surround him with that talent there. Um so they're in an in-between spot. They have kind of possession receivers, and they, they don't really have any game changers in a certain way. Um, I, I get the feeling that that equals a problem for the Miami offense this week, especially in light of the fact that they have troubles on the offensive line. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to run a whole lot against the Steelers. I don't think they're going to have a lot of catch-and-run success, and therefore I think they're going to have trouble putting up points against the Steelers this week. Um, conversely, uh, this is a different, I mean, you know, that's the sort of the mantra the last, the last month we've been talking about the Steelers. It seems like a different Steelers team, uh, psychologically in that they're in attack mode from the moment they land and they don't seem to want to lit up being in attack mode very, very rarely. Every once in a while, they'll eat some clock. They will, uh, throw it underneath on our call a draw play on a third and long deep in their own territory. That's probably smart. Even though it seems, you know, uh, it seems unfortunate, it's probably a good choice. So this, you know, this week it's like the Steelers go in there and are aggressive from the beginning of the game. I, I don't see any reason why they can't be more successful than we might expect them to be in a trap game. So with the trap game caveat thrown out there, 
I, I would say that this is a big day for Antonio Brown and Lev Bell, uh, and it's a 37 to 10 Steelers victory was the score I wrote down. Um, so we're, we're kind of on the same mindset here. You know, I, it clearly uh, it could be a week where things don't go according to plan, and especially if D'Angelo Williams is dinged up more than just, you know, just dinged. And uh, for some reason he can't play on the weekend, that maybe changes things a little. Um, on that note, uh, final word, how close do you think Carlos Williams is to being able to be on a roster? For some reason, D'Angelo Williams can't go this week. Is there a chance that he gets promoted? I would think that not this week. I think he's probably two weeks away. My final thought, I'm going to do something I rarely do. I'm going to get semi-serious on you. Gentlemen, I'm figuring it's mostly men that listen to this. Ladies, if there's any of you to listen, welcome. And uh, tell your man this. Um, gentlemen, get checked for aortic aneurysm. It's a silent killer, and it's, it's just cutting through men between the ages of 30 and 70. It's a very simple test, very easy to go through, and uh, you can save a life. I have one of my best friends from high school. I'm going to Pittsburgh for a funeral. Kid ran a freaking triathlon less than three months ago. In shape his entire life. Dropped dead. Father of six. Dropped dead out of nowhere. Aortic aneurysm. And you can go get checked. If you don't have health insurance, your local, you know, a health clinic for 25 30 bucks you can get checked for. And uh, it's, it'll come up on you and kill you out of nowhere. It, you're going to have no signs. So, you know, take care of your body. Take care of yourself. I know this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I believe in that. I really do. And, but get checked for it because, you know, Somebody on this planet got to care about you. You got to have somebody on this planet that loves you. Maybe, but you know, just get checked. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to add to that, man. I support support that one hundred percent. And I'm sorry about your loss. Um, and you know, there's there's nothing right. more, more important than that stuff. And it's really it's really easy to be nonchalant about it and not want to know if you're unhealthy. I know it's a big thing with guys; they don't want to know, you know that they have a problem, they would rather drop over dead. But that's a, that's a as you said, not the kindest or more, most responsible thing to do to the people that care about you. Um, exactly. So anyway, I mean, just think about your, if your mom and dad are still around, and I know your mom's still around, don't have your parents bury their child if you can control it. Dude, there's nothing worse on this planet. Kids should not bury their, or parents shouldn't bury their kids. So get checked. 15 minutes it takes. They don't even stick a finger up your ass, dude. It's not like even that type of test. So. <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> I said out of thank you to Steel Perch, uh, and I'd like to thank uh, both Perch, uh, FC, and everyone listening to the show for not putting a finger up my ass personally. Uh, <laughs> and I'll talk you gave to me you. Enough money, I might. I'll talk to you after a big Steelers victory down there in Miami. Miami, Miami. go get them. Steelers. Steelers. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.